today on Kudgan Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to another Code Pen Radio 320 we're at, and I'm talking to Una Kravitz. Hi. Hey. And Andy Bell. How you doing, Andy? Howdy how. Just two of the names behind this big new release thing from Google on web.dev called Learn CSS. Uh, pretty cool. I called it an SEO flex because now anybody that Googles <laughs> CSS, you're going to just get this thing. Uh, I feel like there's other things that pop up still. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're number website. one. <laughs> yeah. But it's a it's a big deal because it's because it's of how well it's done and it's free. So 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 what is it? I mean, like like how do how should people think about this thing? It's like a learning resource, right? But like a good one. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So Learn CSS. Um, the idea was to create an evergreen online resource that also guides people through learning CSS, and it was kind of born out of this idea that. We're in a place in the tech community where we have a lot of people who are very experienced developers, who are senior developers, who have been working in the field for five years or more, who uh, aren't very good still at styling websites. So we wanted to create a course that not only was something that people who were just learning CSS from the when during their web development journey from the start could use, but also something that people who are really experienced in web development who might not know about grid or might not have complete understanding of exactly how the cascade works or some nuanced selectors. And they could go in and use this as sort of like a pick and choose your own adventure thing um, and get out of it what they need to uh, build websites. Yeah. Well said. Thank you for that. So evergreen, that was one of the first words you said. Does that mean that you're going to update it? Do you have like a plan? That's the plan? Yeah, that's the plan. So we launched this with uh, 24 modules, um, 23 modules of CSS content. So this is everything from like borders, shadows, blend modes, Z index, pseudo elements, uh, specificity, inheritance, all those fun things. Um, but we are going to continue coming out with new parts of the course. So for example, one thing that we uh, realized, oh shoot, we missed was transitions. We completely skipped that <laughs> somehow. We didn't even realize oh. until later. We have animations and we talk about transitions. We talk about like pseudo classes, um, but we want to do a full transitions module. And then we also want to do uh, custom properties. And so we have um, a list of things, including lists uh, that we are going to roll out <laughs> over the nice. next few uh, months. Okay. I have so many questions. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> whose idea was it? Not that it matters that much, but was this, is this your, your baby kind of, Una? At Google? cause it's a Google thing and you're at Google. Whereas Andy, you're, you're not right. You were yanked oh, in on. Yeah. 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 A little bit. So essentially the idea of this came from like, we have all of these podcasts for the CSS podcast and we wanted to bring those together with some kind of written content because some feedback that we got was, hey, like, this is a great way to learn, but CSS is very visual, and I'm a little bit uh, wanting some kind of visual reference yeah. or some kind of text. So we thought, like, hey, let's turn the podcast season into a course and kind of make it um, work in a way that is better for writing. But we quickly realized, like, the outlines that we had for the podcast were not ideal for <laughs> a written yeah. content. 
So we uh, reached out to Andy to be our primary technical writer to then kind of convert our idea of what this could look like into a legible, understandable, actually useful written resource. And uh, he did a great job. Oh, wow. So this is a majority of your writing, Andy? Um, well, yeah, apart from the layout ones that re- obviously Rachel Andrew did the grid and the flexbox ones. Cause, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I basically yep. sat in front of a computer for three months crying. And we got <laughs> yeah. that in the end. <laughs> uh, it was definitely a, a journey for all of us. Um, yeah, we had Andy do the majority of the writing, and then Rachel was our tech editor who then mm-hmm. reviewed all this content. Um, Adam and I worked also on reviewing the content. Andy made this really cool like style guide for all the demos and built the majority of the demos that you see too. Um, and then uh, Adam wrote the self-assessments. So it was really a team effort. And I think my part was mostly just like making sure that we were aligned and things were getting done on time and uh, reviewing stuff. <laughs> You were head of spreadsheets, yeah. Spreadsheets, yeah, yeah. head of sure. spreadsheets. <laughs> where you had to decide what these modules were going to be, where transitions were famously ignored. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just, I think, a, an oversight from the course. Because most of these modules actually are uh, podcast episodes, pretty much in order. And so with oh, right season on. two of the podcast, we are like, oh, okay, now we could put in all the parts that we didn't have a chance to. You know, I think the, the stuff that, the, the thing that I found when we were writing the content was we're covering bases that are just not being covered um, at all. There's people touching on them and touching on stuff, like, but the detail that we went into for like, especially like cascade and specificity, um, a word that I still can't say. Um, I think we, it was, it plugged some holes um, in the, and so far it's helping people actually understand them for the first time as well, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah which are classic like like there's new stuff here so that's what i like is it's this is kind of a in a way a snapshot of where css is right now but like the cascade hasn't changed in a hot minute right so it's still covering all that really like old you know brick yeah. layer css stuff too all of it like this is almost all of css right oh like poor transitions big deal you know i know that one but, but... like We'll get there soon. <laughs> yeah. It's fun um, yeah, to look to. Yeah. I think that's a great shout. We wanted to make sure we had, you know, the core concepts. And then some of these, new, like, quote, unquote, newer things like grid and logical properties is the way to write robust layouts now that have all these great benefits, internationalization, et cetera. So we wanted to make sure that we included those when people that are learning CSS are getting into it. They don't have to build without them anymore because we have that in all modern browsers. So um, we wanted to kind of cover exactly what you said, a snapshot of what CSS is right now. Uh, You know, things like gradients, filters, and blend modes. These are all things you can do with CSS. And I think most of the courses that I've seen um, so far just didn't have all of the newer stuff mixed in with the core concepts. So this, I think, hopefully is going to be covering a, a wider spectrum it does. It does. I love the logical property stuff. That's great. I've been sprinkling them in when I can. You know, I think if I was going to build a brand new site, I would just only use them if I if I could. Uh, but you know, in the where we're at now, we're kind of I'm kind of in sprinkle territory. I was just thinking of them because one got me today. Where I wanted to, been they've been in my brain more, and I was trying to override a margin right on an existing element, and I was like margin inline end zero because I was trying to 
undo it. And it doesn't work. You can't undo margin right with margin inline end. It's not <laughs> happening. This episode of Code Pen Radio is brought to you in part by WooCommerce, the e-commerce plugin for your self-hosted WordPress site. We use it. We love it. It's awesome. You know, just like CodePen itself, it takes multiple payment methods. Like you can pay with a credit card, which we process through Stripe. Or we can pay with PayPal, which ultimately goes through Braintree because they have nice APIs. Uh, it's nice to take as many different payment methods as you can because... You know, even though it complicates things, if it's somebody's a user's favorite payment method, that's nice. You know, they're less likely to churn out. They just have the option they want. They're more likely to sign up or buy the thing to begin with. WooCommerce now has another one, which is Apple Pay, which is pretty cool because it's pretty darn seamless on, you know, iDevices, you know, things like your iPhone and such. If you're looking to check out, uh, that's a familiar button for a lot of people, including me, uh, and kind of a trustworthy and safe one. So uh, offering that can be awful nice. That's just a new plugin now that you can offer on uh, by installing on your uh, WooCommerce site, and it's really no big deal. It's just no different than the others, really. So enjoy that. So this is a snapshot of where CSS is now with uh, with all the new stuff and the foundational stuff so good. So you could this is you know an easy, you know, where should I go to learn CSS? This is the, definitely the the place to go now. You know, remember when I don't know, was it a year ago now? Not even when it was um people were talking about CSS4 again. There was a little little round of interest in should we have mm, one or yeah. should we not have one? And the 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 best case for should we have one was what if the marketing for CSS3 worked on you? You were like, oh, CSS is new now. I'm going to learn all that stuff. Whoa, border radius? That's cool. And you learned it all and then you stopped because you're a regular ass human being and you don't keep up with every detail of CSS. Now it's been a long time since CSS3. So what has changed between CSS3 and now? And the answer to that is like, uh... You know, I don't know. Like, it's not like controversial. It's just like not top of mind. Like, I wouldn't know what to tell somebody. But maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you should just come to this page and just learn it all from scratch. A lot you know? has changed. I think that you're absolutely right. And I recently did a talk um, at IO called The New Responsive. And I was kind of looking at the history of styling. And there is sort of like a pattern where about every 10 years is where you have a really big change in capabilities for styling. So like CSS3 was about 2011, to 2010 wow. to 2012. Ten and then years. before that, CSS2 was like, what, 1999, 2000? Mm. So it's so time. It's this time. Is and I think container queries is like that next frontier that changes everything when it comes to responsive design. Yeah, is that in here or did you is it too early? You didn't go there? Uh, no, because it's it's only in Canary currently in uh behind a flag. But once it's in stable browsers, we will definitely add it. Yeah, that that would be great. That's going to be a great day when it starts making its way into actual like documentation stuff. 
probably do media queries first as well, you know. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's on the list. <laughs> yeah, all those app things, you know, they're tricky to, to classify because they're not properties or selectors. They're like another Well, we do talk about app functions. The, the season two of the podcast has a lot more stuff. Um, and we, we even feel like we've recorded like, I guess, 40-ish episodes now. And I think that both Adam and I are like, wow, we've really spanned CSS. I don't know what we'll do for next season if we have one, because there's there's a point at which the, the the sort of mass of stuff to know kind of dwindles and you're only talking about new things that are coming out. And that's um not as you know, not as much to cover as just all of CSS. Yeah. It's kind of like if you wrote a this is a book, you know, but again imagine if you had a print book or something and then new stuff happens and you want to put out a new version of it, what do you do? Do you just slap a chapter on the end or do you go like, you know, I think that's easier than refinguring your way through the book and putting the new stuff where it needs to be. That's just like a harder challenge. So, but I think you can do it, especially because of this lovely digital home for it. That's right. And that's another thing I, I want to, you know, have a big shout out to like Rob Dodson and Yua who enabled this UI so now we have like courses as a thing we can do on web.dev and um, it's like a new primitive. So we could have other courses about, I don't know, performance or core vitals or other things um, on right. web.dev. And I just feel like having this format for the various like devrel teams at Google to have is like a really cool thing too yeah. that came out of this. Nice. That's good. So this is a little, little framework as it were. Yeah. Framework. Yeah, sweet. It was just free and open to everyone as well. And that was the big sell for me was um, that everyone's going to get access to it who needs it, you know. Um, and and it's good quality content. Like the aside from the writer, the actual like you know you got people like you know you got Adam, you got Rachel, you got you know it's you know it's legit, you know. Especially Rachel, like she catches you out all the time, blagging. Um, and that's that's something that I think is really important is knowing that it's been written and it's been edited to to be you know bang on spec and something that like is is hard to do in in content creation um on the web at the moment i think there's a lot of solo people i include myself and it's the the fact that we've done it as a team really does show in the quality of it of the end product now, i was going to do my own css course and it had been rubbish compared to this you know because I would never have done it with, you know, the same amount of people and the same skill level. I definitely feel like working as a team is so much more effective because you're exactly right. Like you could write something by yourself, do the research and it could be accurate, but then you might miss something or you might not realize there's a cool like trick that somebody else might know. And so I think that that definitely adds to it. But yeah, Andy, I feel bad because when I approached you about this, you're like, this will be great practice for my course later this year. And then you're like, okay, this, I'm dead. I'm tired. <laughs> mm. Oh <laughs> God, yeah, this. that's, it, was, uh, it really did uh, kick me, kick me down Did that. But it was just because it, we, I think the, the other thing is, is that there's a, there's a time deadline on there. I think um, we could have easily have worked on this for six months, um, I think. Yeah. Um, and then because, we would have media queries and transitions <laughs> everything yeah we'd have had a huge a huge like <laughs> repository of content but the the sort of the the hard deadline which is always makes things difficult um was there but and we were making we, we were like effectively making it up as we went along as well because we this is the first, like you said the first course on web dev so we were sort of laying the cow path as it were as well weren't we? we were like figuring out how we wanted to do things as well and i think that 
is a lot of it was discovery process, including like the bit that you're talking about with the demos, like a big portion of it was working out how the heck we were going to do 200 and odd demos as well. So yeah, definitely. And Good old CodePen. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, definitely use CodePen heavily there. And like shout out to Andy for just having the patience because when we started this, it was just all in Google Docs, right? And then we slowly converted it, but the site wasn't even ready yet. It didn't have all the parts and pieces that we needed. So there was a bit of imagination that we had to bear with as all of the pieces came together from the web.dev team and from us and the writing and then the demo separately and the uh, self-assessments that all these different moving pieces. That's why I was the CEO of the spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. Make sure that everything got pulled together. To, to be fair, Google Docs actually a good because um, I never used Google Docs before this project, and it's actually pretty good for. I really, actually really enjoyed it at the end. At first, I was like, "Oh God, I can't just write a markdown." But um, yeah, I, I really really enjoyed it towards the end. Um, it worked out good, but yeah, it was nice to see all the modules. In we we literally only saw them about two weeks before we went live, didn't we? Because it was all like mm-hmm. in little pieces all over the place, wasn't it? Oh, really? There was a nice little Voltron moment at the end. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, so it's... different seeing something in Markdown in Google Docs than it is like seeing it actually styled. But yeah, we just had to work with Google Doc because uh, it, it's easier to edit there. So we uh, right, right made it work. Right. It's easier to tell me off in context. Yeah. Collaborative editing. <laughs> yeah. It's just... But also it's great that Rachel and Andy are both in the UK. So they were like, yeah, kind yeah. of like tag teaming in the UK time zone. And then uh, our team was distributed with you know people on the West Coast, then East Coast, UK. And we kind of did, like a once a week meeting of the minds to uh, keep on track and kind of like talk about progress and um, discuss any issues that we had. Yeah, nice. Good. Yeah, so there's a, you know, I mean, obviously, they're one of the reasons I grabbed you for CodePen Radio is because those demos are on CodePen. That's kind of cool and interesting. Certainly, um, you know, good for us to get people to see CodePen and such. But there's a couple of interesting things that happen. One of them is that I didn't have to, like, sign a 9,000-page document because a big company was using CodePen. You wouldn't believe how often I have to do that kind of thing. You know, the bigger the company that uses your thing, the more red tape there is. And in this case, it was all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, there's a web dev has a has a CodePen account. Cool, <laughs> thanks. Um, which is nice. This just happened without, I don't think I did anything at all for you on this you know no i think we told you like a week before launch by the way we're launching a course and using code pen yeah. watch out yeah, for yeah. it oh <laughs> <laughs> there was there was one bit chris yeah yeah you gave me like one question about performance or something and we looked into but oh yeah we did it. we yeah. talked about uh if the all the modules were interactive how would that affect performance but i don't think it's affected that much i think it's like a single script they all share it is. It is. And, the and, you know, thanks. Another little minor thanks to Google is that lazy loading on iframes is cool again. So that you just get that for free now. So like even if there's an editable embedded and it's down below the fold, it just doesn't load at all until until you're ready. Until, yeah. Which is, you know, that's about as good as perf as you can ask for usually for heavyweight ish stuff. Um, so there's hundreds of demos. That's mm-hmm. impressive for one thing. And uh, another thing that I found was interesting was that you did a little kind of like design system for them in a way. I mean, that's a fancy way to say shared style sheet. There's a shared style sheet. 
pretty much <laughs> right that's exactly what it is. it's a shared style sheet with a lot of html just dumped in one pen so like hey look use these elements but yeah I mean, it was it was obviously going to do that with you know, half of us in the team were all design system nuts so we were we were going to be on that one but it was the logical way to do it as well like as soon as we worked out what the scope of the course was it was we, it was going to be hundreds of demos and if we'd have done every single one as a separate entity if we'd have to change one thing it'd have been a a massive job whereas now if we like if web dev got redesigned tomorrow we could update all the look and feel of the demos in one pen and we'd be done with it or two pens yeah. actually I, I did two different ones yeah pretty pretty good going for 200 demos that was the first thing that Andy did actually before he started writing was create a style guide so we could figure out how we're going to do the demos, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that really gives it a classier feel to the whole thing. You know, like <laughs> it's like too late for me on like the entirety of CSS tricks, you know, be like all my demos are going to share this one style. Like I'm just a big sloppy mess, but <laughs> there's just too many. But starting from scratch, really classy that they all look the same. Yeah, that, that's why I did it because like, Piccadilly is a mess, you know, and that's not, it's nowhere near as old as, um, as CSS tricks, but I can't update any of the demos to look the same now. It'd take me forever. But as soon as we realized <laughs> we what we needed to do, I was like, no, I have to do a single source of truth for the styles of the demos. Otherwise we're going to live to regret it in the long term. Cause, cause it'll, it'll expand to 40 plus. What else did you think about though? Cause the demos are in some sense, you could have a demo that's just like one HTML element and a couple of CSS properties or something, in which case you're trying to showcase the CSS property. So like, why do you need any global styles, you know, but, but you just, your demos are like a little more than that, right? They, Mm. there is some basics. Yeah. Like if you have an H1 on it that says what the demo is, that H1 is all the same, right? But they still use a basic style sheet as well. Like the, because we, we we had to get like a reset in there and and the core typography and stuff like that. So I've got two two pens that were the sort of the did all the grunt work for us. There's one that was like the full singing and dancing demo pen, and then there's the other one that's just like, look, there's going to be like you say like a H one with some text in it, but here's fifty lines of CSS to just set the set the stage for that H one to look good because you know. Some some resources like like MDN is a really good example. MDN is a ridiculously good resource, and you know I spent my entire life on that site while I was doing this course. But the demo, one thing I noticed on MDN is the demos. That would be really good if they hired someone, wink wink, to do loads of demos <laughs> on MDN that looked really I heard good. Andy because has I think experience. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done I've done a few, but the the um, the the difference it makes when a demo looks good versus a demo that's like you know blue blue text on a yellow background it it doesn't look very compelling but if something looks really good it makes people want to actually engage with it and learn and and learn how to do that themselves that's that's always been the sort of core of what i do is like make content that actually looks good and it'll keep people engaged and interested in it i also think it removes distraction because for example in a lot of the demos we have like a little info box and you don't want to have all the styling for that info box distract from the actual CSS that we're trying to show. So that is kind of removed. And then the CSS that is the point of the demo is front and center. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right at the top of I the file. You, yeah. 
you know, you're really good at that. And, and for example, you have a recent blog post about container queries on CSS tricks and you're in the pens. There's like code comments in the CSS that are like stuff that doesn't matter to you here. <laughs> Don't yeah, look yeah. at this, you know. The part <laughs> that matters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Presentational styles. Go away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wish there was a better way to do that. There probably will be in the future, but we'll see. Uh, fantastic. This is also, uh, I guess it kind of goes without saying, very like just straight up CSS, like native or vanilla CSS as it is called. There's, there's literally nothing here that is an abstraction of CSS, right? Yeah, this is all like native CSS works in all of the frameworks, works in all of the ways that you could write. We wanted to just stick to that because no matter how you flavor your code, when you're styling things, you can always use CSS. And even if you are using some kind of like CSS and JS or other type of framework, you're still writing CSS. So you still have to understand the properties and the values they accept and what they all mean and what they do to each other. Yeah. I mean, I obviously believe that. I think we know that about each other, but it does make me think sometimes when I just think of how many developers out there work in something else. There's something that they inherited just because of where they work or whatever, styled components or tailwind or whatever there's so many, it, it almost seems rare these days that you write in CSS raw at all. And it's just, I don't, you know, I guess that's all, it's always been true to not always, but for a long time, you know, like SAS had like extreme popularity for a long time where you could almost assume that that's what a site was going to use. That's still popular, but now it's even more so, you know, like, like, well, I feel like I with know. all of these things, like, you know, you mentioned SAS and Tailwind, you're still writing CSS with SAS, like the core of what you're writing is CSS with some extras like mix-ins and nesting and like functions and looping. It's still CSS to get what you want. You still have to understand like how to write that style. And then if you know how to write that style, you can make optimizations. So I think it's like kind of like you need to know the concepts and then you could build on top of them. With something like Tailwind, I think it's the exact same thing. You're still writing CSS. You still have to know what properties to look for. Even if you look at the Tailwind documentation, you have to know what to look for. You have to know like what Z index is. You have to know like how you're styling background color versus text color. You might be using a class instead of a property value pair, but you still need to know what to look for to find that class. Right. So in that way, this will kind of last forever because these abstractions tend to come and go and... CSS doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Or new abstractions are built on the core language. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to that's a good way to go with it. And it's funny how sometimes the language itself evolves so that you don't need as much abstraction. And then generally new abstractions are built to that that take things even a little further or whatever. Little abstract, random thought there. So how'd this go? Was this a, is this a, I mean, I guess that's a weird question to ask, but it was so round. <laughs> how did uh, it go? Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you get a raise, you know, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but you should, you should email my boss. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give Paul a quick, quick tinkle. Yeah. Was it easy to push through at Google? Is this, was this a perfect kind of, you know, I just think of this is such, such a massive company. Did you have to really fight to make this thing happen? Or is this a natural fit for what you're trying to do over there? Well, this started last year. I think we started, uh, I think I proposed this in like October, September, October. Um, and it took a while to just 
gather all the resources that we needed. Um, but once we gathered them, it was a pretty straightforward um, sell because first of all, Google is really focused on improving developer satisfaction and helping the ecosystem. And uh, a lot of what we've seen on surveys around developer satisfaction are that people struggle with styling and they struggle with layout, they struggle with forms, they struggle a lot with CSS. So it was easy to point to that and say, hey, if we want to help the ecosystem, we have to help them understand how to style things to reduce frustration. And then um, I wanted to, at the same time, um, originally I wanted this to kind of be like a standalone course, but um, after speaking to a few people on my team, they're like, hey, why not just build this onto our existing web.dev site? And then it could kind of be something that other people use and build on top of. So it ended up being beneficial for a number of reasons. And uh, I think with that, it was a little bit easier to push through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like a big success. It's cool that it's, you know, there's so much seemingly infrastructure in place down to the URL levels, you know, like it's at slash learn. And if you go to slash learn, there's courses. It's the only one there, but it's begging for more kind of thing. So hopefully more soon. Have you recovered, mm -hmm. Andy? Are you are you back? No, I don't think I've written a, I don't think I've written a tutorial since, to be honest. I, I understood like, <laughs> Drag a drag one about container queries out because I was quite excited about them. But um, no, but to be fair, I'm 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 back um, slinging slinging CSS. I'm doing a project with Web Dev again now. Like we're doing a big refactor, so um, oh, that's that's my proper meat and potatoes work that I do. Yeah, like design system stuff. So that's cool. That's, yeah, um, we found Andy, and now we're like, what else can we have you? Yeah, help yeah. Us with? <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, yeah, you keep keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> My, but my it's no more tech happen. writing. It's yeah. now mostly actual, <laughs> yeah. just like in the code base, which is probably a nice change for you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a nice change of pace. Um, have you already uh, had to look something up on this course? I have. Um, I actually, I mean, I mean well, that's one, another important point is that um, I I learned an absolute ton writing this stuff because my I didn't realize how sketchy my own knowledge of CSS was until I started doing it, and uh, <laughs> especially as I started getting the editing process done like i learned an unbelievable amount from rachel especially like just asking her questions like i spent all day just pinging her with stupid questions about css um and she would just straight away just know that you know fill mm. my brain with knowledge so um i finally learned how to how to do grid with this course because i've just not done it so it's great to, to do it so oh really that's one of the reasons anyway, that like adam and i love doing the podcast it's just every time we record we learn something new and you know i i thought i'm pretty good at css or i'm pretty okay at css but then when we're preparing for the podcast you're like reading the spec and you realize that oh i wasn't as good at css as i thought like i didn't realize a b and c um but it's great because yeah, when you do actually go to teach someone about something, you really learn about it yourself too. You really have to get it down right. And um, with the podcast, we try to stay true to spec and make the spec uh, readable, make it a little bit more uh, friendly. And so we're reading like spec text and comprehending it. And yeah, that's not something that I ever did really before when I was just like writing code on websites. Right. Um, Definitely improved my CSS as well. That's a yeah. that's an interesting one. I've heard that uh, I don't know that people say, "Oh, the specs they're so unapproachable. Why don't you all write it in some way?" And it's always been like, "Those aren't for you. They might be for you, Andy, <laughs> because you're having to then 
translate some of that stuff into thing, but the, the, that's the point. You know, they're not for CSS authors to read; they're for implementers to read, and it's your job to you know, make documentation and tutorials and stuff around it, which is exactly what you've done. So good work. Yes. And um, if you go through the course, we did link a podcast episode for every module. So you can kind of read it, comprehend it, and then listen to it throughout the week and have that be like another way to comprehend the content. I feel like having multiple learning modalities is something that always helps me. So it's something that we wanted to provide for the course. Yeah. I liked thinking of it as a really expensive homepage for a podcast. <laughs> uh, hey look it's all uh it's all gracio stuff i say yeah definitely yeah. thanks for coming on the show you too we'll, we'll we'll talk to you soon thanks for having hey, us chris. chris this is fun sure yeah see ya Zero, three, one, eight.